Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for qualifying us for life. We thank you for not giving up on us. And we thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. We ask that may Christ alone be exalted in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We welcome to our fourth episode on the parable of the loving Father. And we ended last week with the question that if you were the elder son, what would be your response to the peace that the father organized for the prodigal son? So we want to continue our study looking at the response of the elder brother. So we'd like to invite a woman of God to continue with the expose on the parable of the loving father. So Bele, the floor is yours. All right, thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity. Pray that Christ be exalted. We thank God. We are getting closer to the end of this particular series of parable of the loving Father. And last week we said a lot of things, and there are a few things I would like to add from last week's episode. So it may seem more reasonable for the Father to receive the Son without expressing even a little, let's say, anger or acknowledging the Son's wrongdoing or punishing the Son as most people would expect. But um, the fact is God is never happy um, when we sin. And as a matter of fact, God punishes sin and he punishes sin with so much severity. But he's also merciful. So even the Bible said that he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. And Isaiah 53 verse 5 says that, But because of our sins, he was wounded, beaten because of the evil we did. We are healed by the punishments he suffered, made whole by the blows he received. Galatians 1 4 says that he took the punishment of our sins. Jesus gave himself for our sins. And that's why I really love Jesus Christ, because we will still be in our sins and we'll still be slaves to our flesh. We'll still be slaves to the devil. We'll still be slaves to sin if Jesus Christ had not delivered us. And sometimes I wonder how my life would have been if I had not met Jesus Christ. And I don't really understand the full extent of Jesus Christ's sacrifice yet coming to the earth and dying on the cross. And I always thought, well, it's not different from martyrs who suffered um, for their faith. But um, the more I ponder over it, the more I realize how difficult and painful it must have been for Jesus Christ to bear the sin of not just a few people, but the whole world. And those who died for the sake of um, the gospel, like Stephen, they were strengthened by the comforting presence of God. The Bible says Stephen saw Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus Christ to be with him. But Jesus Christ endured God's wrath and punishment against him. And so all the punishments that we are supposed to endure, all the punishment which was due the youngest son which is you and I was laid on Jesus Christ and perhaps I may not be able to fully comprehend the full extent of what Jesus did on the first but I'm touched by the little I get to know every now and then Jesus faced all of God's rage and God's fury which I deserved so that I could see the father's smile 
inexperienced is tenderless. So, in as much as we need not to take our sins um, too seriously to think that Jesus Christ's blood is incapable of dealing with our sins, we are also not supposed to take sins too lightly because sin costs God his lovely son. Sin is rebellion against God. And so I will entreat you to receive Jesus Christ as your savior because without him, you are still in your sin and you are still liable to condemnation and death. And from from last six verses, 25, the Bible says that, Father said, for this my son was dead, is alive again, lost and now found. So the father truly understood the state of his son. He understood that the son was not just in sin, but was dead and he was also lost as well. So you can only find true life in Christ. And so also when we see people who are in sin, we shouldn't be quick to judge them, but we should see their need as the father saw the need of the son. Amen. So um, let's come to who we have for today. And so last week we concluded by saying that from the previous um, parables, we realized that after the lost item is found, there is celebration and the feast. But the Bible says that when the elder brother came, he was not happy with the reaction or with the celebration or the feast. So he questioned his father. And so we will be considering the elder brother today. So we'll go back to Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, I'll be reading from verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted cow for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad. For your son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Okay, so when we consider the elder son, one thing we get to know about this younger son is that nothing is mentioned about him making any attempt to bring the younger son back from the far country or he advising his younger brother from going to a far country. And the interesting thing I find is that he knew that his brother would be miserable or he knew that his brother would squander or spend his father's inheritance anyhow because, mind you, um, the Bible said that he did not go inside the house so he might have not seen the younger son, whether in a glorious state or in a worse state, but he was able to predict that this son of yours who has squandered or devoured your livelihood with halos, which means that this elder son knew that the going of the young son into the far country would definitely end in prodigal living 
or the wastage of his father's property. But he didn't stop him. He didn't advise him, but then he lets him go. And even when we check his response to the father, you realize that he was even accusing the younger son. And then from Romans chapter 12, verse 5 makes us understand that though we are many, we are all of one body. So as Christians, even though we are different, we have diverse ways of worshiping and all that, but we are all one in Christ. But it's sometimes interesting to know that a lot of us are just waiting for a member or let's say a fellow believer to fall so that we can stretch our hand and pronounce judgment and say, so you think you are a papa, you are not a papa or you are not a mama after all. Attacking, killing Abel, the Bible makes us understand that when God asks him, where is your brother? Cain was so quick to question God that, am I my brother's keeper? And we are. We are each other's keeper in the body of Christ. I'm reading something from James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 from the Easy English Version. It says, my Christian friends, if anyone amongst you turns away from God's true message, you should help him. Try to bring him back to God. Understand this. If you turn a person back from his bad ways, you will save that person's soul from death. And God will forgive that person for his many sins. So we shouldn't be ignorant. Neither should we just watch our fellow um, brother or sister go into sin. But we should try and help our fellow brother and sister. We should lift others and help others. Amen. Again, the elder brother never saw himself as a son who owned an inheritance. Rather, he saw himself to be someone who had to work for it. And that made him no difference from his slave. He said, for so many years I have been serving you and never neglected the command of yours. But you never gave me a goat, which means that he was working in expectation of a reward, which is a goat. Therefore, he felt entitled to those rewards. And so when the father decided to give the calf to his younger brother, who did nothing, who didn't serve the father, he felt cheated because I am working for this. But you gave someone who did not work for his brother, cheated or hurts you. But one thing that we have to understand is that we are sons of God and we are not orphans. You see, in the orphanages, the kids, they have to prove themselves. They have to work hard. They have to have a smiling face. They have to be respectful so that when the family is coming inside, they will have a good report of them that these children, they are very good so you can take them to your homes. But we are not like that. We are not orphans, but we are children and we are already loved by God. So we need not to work or prove ourselves worthy of God's love. God has already lavished his love on us. And we are also not mere servants of God, but we are sons and daughters of God. You do not do anything to deserve God's love. It was just lavished on you. God's unconditional love was lavished on you once you gave your life to Christ. And so like a nursing mother would look at her baby and have so much love in her heart for the baby without the baby doing anything at all, a mother or to the mother. So does God look at you and have love in his heart for you without you doing anything to deserve God's love? So let us go to Matthew chapter 3. There's something I want us to take a look at. 
the latter part. The Bible says that it was about the baptism of Jesus. As I'm reading the latter part, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this was before Jesus' ministry. This was before he had healed the sick, he had selected disciples, he had even died on the cross. And the Bible says that a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I hope you get it. Jesus did not do anything to deserve the father's love. The father lavished love on him. Other versions say, this is my son whom I love. And so in the foundation of Jesus' ministry, the truth and the conviction that he was loved so much by the father without his works. And so he didn't end the father's love by preaching to people. He didn't end the father's love by doing anything at all for the father. And in the garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was, or let's say in Jesus' difficult time in the garden of Gethsemane, he could say, not my will, but yours be done. He gave up his will, not to end the father's love, because he knew the father already loved him, but he gave up his will out of the abundance of the love the father had for him. He knew how the father loved him. He knew how good the father was and that the way of the father was the best, no matter how difficult it may be. He also saw you and I in a helpless state of sin and said, not my will, but yours be done. And that should be our story. We do not work to end God's love. He already loves us. He has already lavished his unconditional love on us. So we work and we do all that we do for God out of the abundance of God's love for us. And remember I told you last week that it got to a point, the constant burden on my heart was, how do I make God happy? How do I please God? How do I make him know that I really appreciate him? that was all I wanted to do. And I would do anything. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says that, For the love of Christ compels us. So because of God's abundant love upon us, we just can't help it but give Him our best. We just can't help it but give Him whatever He desires of us to do. And I have a particular mentor, she's Heidi Baker. She has done so much by God's grace for the Lord. She gave up all her family inheritance. Her parents were rich to go to the slums, the poorest of the poor, just for Jesus Christ. She takes care of thousands and thousands of orphans. Her ministry, together with her husband, they've led thousands and thousands of people to Christ. They've built thousands and thousands of churches. You can go and search. And she said something I find interesting. She said that when I feel love like this, she's talking about God's love. She said, when I feel love like this, I'll do anything. And it's, it's also, it's very true because our obedience to God is out of the abundance of God's love upon us. So true obedience brings out of love. And until you come to really love God, there's no way you'll be truly obedient to Him. You'll always be obedient for something. But then when you come to understand how much He loves you, you will become obedient out of the abundance of love God has for you. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, that if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So the proof of your love for God is out of obedience. So initially I told us that um, um, you can't love God on your own. You receive God's love. And when you receive God's love, you just can't help it. But you love him and you will love him by obeying him. So receive God's love, love him back. And then your loving him back will be proved 
by your obedience. So you do not evangelize, you do not spend hours praying, you do not go for outreaches, you don't fast for 40 days just for God to like you, but then you do all these things because you can't help but appreciate and obey Him. And even First John chapter 4, verse 19, it says it. It says that we love Him because He first loved us. So we are not able to love God very well until we come to the knowledge and understanding that our love for Him is because He first loved us and we do not first love God. So we can only offer true love to God by receiving His love for us. And I remember I listened to Dr. Newman Atta. He's a clinical psychologist and he talked about love and he said that love involves past experiences and it's very true. So um, people who have suffered traumatic experiences, let's say abuse or those things, it's very difficult for them to express love. It's very difficult for them to trust and love people. And so with all our sin, with all our rebellion, with all our condemnation, it's difficult for us to genuinely express love to God. That's why God invites us and then he teaches us to love and not just to love him, but he teaches us to also love others by first loving us. So that's why the Bible says that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we were incapable of loving God, God loved us so that we would become capable of loving him and loving our fellow brothers and sisters. So it's enough of the striving and then trying to do with your own strength. I want us to also go back farther and abide in his love for us. And when we abide in his love, we'll be able to express genuine obedience to him in genuine love. So um, let's go back to um, Matthew. So the ending of Matthew, a voice came down from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we'll go back to chapter 4. In the beginning of chapter 4, the Bible says Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 50 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And mind you, in the previous chapter, God had just said, You are my beloved son. Yes, the devil is asking again, If you are the son, if you are truly the son, prove it. Prove that you are truly the son by doing this, by performing this miracle. Now let's listen to what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ said and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes or proceeds from the mouth of God. Which means, Jesus was saying that I do not need to prove to you that I am indeed the Son of God by performing any works, by performing any miracles. The only proof I have of my sonship is that my Father God said it, and that's final. That's that's by living by every word that comes out of the Father's of that comes out of God's mouth. So I do not work to end this. But then the Father out of his grace and mercy called me his son, and that's all. That's final. So you and I should have this mind. You and I should have this in our hearts. That we do not need to prove. Even Jesus Christ did not prove to others to show his sonship. But then he just said, I am the son of God, not because of whatever I have done, but because the father said so. I choose to believe the father and no one else. So you and I are called sons and daughters of God. You are deeply loved by God and you are loved by God because God chose to love you by merit. And the sad reality is that 
when we fail to realize this truth, it will get to some point that you become tired like the elders and you become tired. You will feel cheated by God. You think God is not treating you right because you are working for him and then you are not getting paid. So get some time you say that um, you are working, let's say you are working um, for God so that in the near future, God will give you a good marriage. But then it comes to some time that you realize that a new covenant who just started becoming serious with God has been proposed to and has, let's say, a scheduled date for a wedding by you being in a church working as an evangelism head for let's say years, but you don't even have a beloved. And also, it's okay sometimes you might also be told to sacrifice one thing or the other for God, but then you ask why you should sacrifice for a God who doesn't really care about you. Let's say you prayed for a job and God has not given you a job. And so you question why you should sacrifice. It was even the assurance that if you forsake all, or if you sacrifice something for God, He cares enough about you to see you through the end. So it's necessary that we come to the realization that God loves us, God cherishes us, and it's not because we did something to end it, but because He chose to call us His own. Also, if you have the mentality or the mindset of the elder son, you become an accuser because you think that this person does not deserve it. This person that is not serving God well, this person that doesn't come to church every day and God is blessing this person like that. I mean, that's I come to church almost every Sunday. See the prayers I've been praying to God that God has not been answering me. Like the, the younger son. Let's listen to how the elder son refers to his brother. He has so much hate in the speech. He said that, but this son of yours who squandered your money with prostitutes. So he didn't even remember that this particular person he's talking about is his brother. So he was filled with so much hate for his brother. But let's listen to what the father said. The father is so kind. The father said, oh my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. So the father is reminding the son who may have lost his, his identity, who may not really know who he is. The father reminded him that you do not need to earn my love. You do not need to earn my blessing. As a matter of fact, none of us can ever end all the blessing, everything that God has given us. And I always remind myself that all that I have, they are gifts. We have the gifts of life. The life that I'm living is a gift. Salvation is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. We even have spiritual gifts. Everything that we have are gifts from God. And even Jesus said that we should seek first the kingdom of God and all things to be added to us. So once you seek God's kingdom, once you become a child of God, know that all things are yours. And because you learn to love and you trust your father's love for you, you'll be able to wait for him when he says it's right. So when you come to understand that God loves you, irrespective of whatever you've done or, or not done, when you are asking something from God and God is not answering you at a particular time that you want you will be patient enough because you know that God or your father is never after you to destroy you your father never has evil intentions against you but all that he does is for your good so you'll be able to wait for him and you'll be able to rest in his love for you so servants work to receive a paycheck 
But sons receive inheritance. Then this inheritance sons receive, they are not even things that the sons, they work to end for. They are gifts because the father worked for the inheritance and is giving to you a son who has not done anything to deserve this inheritance. So the elder son also had issues with his identity. He saw himself to be a slave. But then it was like his college because he was in the father's house. It was like his mind that so I entreat all of us that we should receive God's love for us and should trust his love for us. God loves you and God appreciates you. And a lot of us, we are kept from coming back to God because we think, well, I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. But I tell you, it's only God who can help you get out of all those things or overcome all those challenges that you have. So the Father is entreating you this evening that come back home, come to Him. And when you come to Him, He has His own way of pruning you. He has His own way of cleaning you. He has His own way of covering your sins. He has His own way of making you a better person. So you never become a better person outside the Father's house. It's only in the Father's house that you become a better person. And also, whenever we are told to do something for God or we are told to serve God in any way. Let us assume the position of the younger son. So the younger son who has now been accepted by his father, he'll be so overwhelmed with so much love in his heart for his father. And I think there's nothing the father will tell the younger son now that the younger son would ever refuse because he was saying, I want to be a slave. And if the father, regardless of all that has done for you, he elevates you and shower so much love on you like the younger son you can't help it but then just do whatever the father says you should do and it will not be as difficult for him and so i want us all to ask god to reveal his love to us a lot of times we talk and then we say a lot of things about god's love God loves us, but a lot of times we don't really have the conviction that God truly loves us. And sometimes we all struggle with it. Sometimes I struggle with it. I have to remind myself constantly that God loves me. It's not because of works and I have to obey Him. So when you you are struggling with obedience, know that your love has gone cold and you have to go back to the Father and abide in His love for you. So let us abide in God's love for us. Let us trust in God's love for us. Sometimes it's not easy, especially let's say someone who was an orphan and now brought into a home. It takes time for the orphan's mind to be renewed that these people love me, these people appreciate me, this new family adores me, and it's not because of anything. I do not have to work to earn their approval. And I read a book from um, Heidi Baker, she takes in orphans, as I said, on the refuse dump. And she said that sometimes these kids who come to the house, they never feel at home. They never appreciate that they are loved unconditionally. Sometimes it takes them years and years and sometimes up to 14 years before the child will now see himself as a child or as a son or a daughter of his parents. So we should constantly praise God that our minds will be renewed to the love that God has for us. And those who know it or who have come to the realization and, and the condition that God really loves you, I want to entreat us all to also continually abide in God's love. For sometimes it's easy for your love to get cold and you begin to take God for granted. But then you always have to constantly abide in God's love for you.
God willing, next week we'll be considering God as our Father, and it will be our last episode. Yeah. I'll stop here and I'll ask Sam to come in. Thank you very much. Thank you too. The response of the elder brother. Both of them had trust issues. Or both of them had identity issues, if I should say. God bless you so much. What would be your response if you were the elder brother? We will invite Baba to give us her commentary on the elder Sam's response. Baba. Okay, I'm so interested how most of us call God our Father, and we don't really know, let me say, how God is generous towards us. The elder son believed that his father just needed his service and obedience in order to be his son or in order to get an inheritance from him. But then he didn't know that all that the father has is also his. So the father said in the verse 2 that all that I have is yours. And then that is the reality of being sons of God. We can see from Romans chapter 8 verse 15 that we are sons and then we can call God our father. So, so therefore, everything that we need from, we have it. And certainly what the man had in stock for the elder son, was more than one good that he needed. Everything that he had was his soul. The son just had to be in a position to receive from the father. He didn't need to envy his brother who was back, or he didn't need to rejoice over his downfall in order to receive the father's blessing. So his statement that he made that he has been with his father all this while means that he indeed he's a son of the father, but then he doesn't know the extent of his father's heart towards him. And then most of us fit in the elders' brothers' description nowadays. We are Christians, we do everything that is expected of us, and then we may not be seeing certain results, and then we would have our father to blame or something. In this case, they be for one good, but then our father has in stock more than one good for us. So I believe that it's time we get to understand who really our father is in order not to make up certain excuses comments that will eventually hurt eventually hurt our father which is jesus christ because everything that he has is ours and we need not to struggle for an inheritance so i am praying that at the end of this series we would get to know who really our father is and then to understand what he has for us so that we may not make some, some statements or decisions that we have father. Amen. 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 Just one good. I think I like the other brother. The father, he never gave me one good. Let's invite Benji to give us his comment. Okay, all right. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I learned a lot from what our sister shared and I want to touch on a few things concerning the response of the elder brother. I think from the study, we saw that almost both of them did not just have trust issues, but so it was like they both had that mindset that their father maybe wasn't giving them that attention that they needed and they've been working in the house for a long time. So actually, both of them said it was just that the younger son acted out his by going for the properties 
and moving out. The elder son had his own premeditated year, but he didn't act out his sin. It was later that his father realized that he also actually wanted to have properties and then he wanted just a goat and a whole lot. Yeah. So as Christians, this is sometimes our lot. As um, the woman of God said, we can be in the house of God, we'll be serving for years and then you are not seeing certain things. It's because you have not come to understand the love of God or you've not had the revelation of the love that the Father has for us. Because from the power, everything in the Father's house was for his sons, his work, his companies, like everything he was doing was to create a better future for his sons. So it's the same thing. Jesus Christ said in the book of Matthew that we human beings, even being able, when our sons ask us for bread, we do not give them stones. So that when they ask us for fish, we give them serpents. So how much more will the Heavenly Father hit whatever we ask Him and even grant us the Holy Spirit? So everything God is doing, He's doing it for our good. So if we are expecting something that it hasn't come, it's because maybe the time is not right. God is never late. God knows the right times to do the right things here. Yeah? It was just by His way that He created the universe. And then He knows what is best for us. He knows the right time to give us everything. So sometimes we just have to be patient and then allow God to grant us a revelation of His love. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, that we may be able to comprehend with all the sin what is the length, the breadth, and the height of the love of God. Yeah. So the love of God suppresses all knowledge, all understanding. Like you can't understand it. Nobody would want to die for his enemy. Because we were enemies of God when we became sinners, but Christ came to die for us even in our sins. I just want to encourage us that you should pray for a revelation of the love of the Father. Yeah. When we know the extent of the love that the Father has for us, even there are certain prayers that we might stop praying. I just want to admonish us to continue seeking God and then ask Him that He grant us that revelation to know that the length, the breadth, and then the depths, and even the height, the love that the Father has for us. God bless us all. Amen. God bless you too. We shall invite Abner. The older brother saw his father's reaction as an injustice towards him, the older brother. And because he was angry at his father, because how can he love the boy who has wasted all his possessions and things on harlots and all that. But I want us to be reminded that we are all sons of God and his love for us is unconditional. And the same way he loves us, that's the same way he loves the person we think least of in the kingdom of God. We are all loved equally and it's not about your works. So someone might sin and be the least and all, but the person is still loved the same way as you are loved by God. So I want us to know that our place in God's house is secure and our heavenly reward is not threatened by this love for others, by his same love for others. God loves you as much as he loves those other people. So let's trust in God's love as Bernice said, for he will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you. Thank you too. God bless you so much for your wonderful commentaries on the response of 
the elder brother. It's just interesting. If I get music and dance in the house, I'm going to run home and say, hey, finally, there's an unexpected party. It was, if there was a party that he was going to be aware of, but that was planned, he would have been in home. But let's take note. When he hears the party, see the first thing he does is that it's of him to rush in and enter and say, Charlie, what's up? Which party is this? And let's look at the answer the servant gave. The servant said that your brother has come home and your father has thrown a party for him. And look at the response to what the elder brother gave to the servant. He said, and he was angry. Many of us are angry like <laughs> Interesting. Because Bernice stated that the servant didn't state in what state the younger son came home with. So naturally, it should be like, oh, what's going on in the house? Let's say that, fine, he called the servant and the servant is saying, oh, your elder brother has come home and that's why there's a party. I'm finding it hard to believe why this son is thinking negative. Because if somebody has left the house and the person has come back and there's a party, that means he has come back as he has won some trophy or he has achieved something great. So let's bring it to a scenario. Let's say that your younger sibling goes to SS and the person has come home and there's a party. My first response would be like, oh, maybe I've got 10 ones or 8 ones or I don't know how many ones they are giving now. Or I've got all A's, let me be safe. That should be my natural response. But interesting, look at the response. He was angry. Like, why is the guy angry? I'm having a, a suspicion that this guy was stalking the younger brother. <laughs> what is my personal suspicion? Well, I'm finding hard to believe. Why you tell your brother has come home and there's a party? And your first response is anger. And he would go in. Now, then you know what is happening. And at verse 30, he says that, you never gave me one good, but as soon as your son has come, who has devoured your living on Harlot, you have killed a fucking cow. Who told him that his younger brother has used his money on prostitutes and Harlot or has used his well, I mean, inheritance unwisely? This is the state of the heart of many of us. We are eagerly expecting the fall of our brother. And most often than not, it doesn't happen the way we expect it. So many believers are living in anger. That is why of late it's very scary to give testimonies in church. Because the testimonies you are giving in church is supposed to build up the faith of believers. But now it has become a means of embittering people on both sides. One, the person giving the testimony, sometimes, some of them, their motive is not to praise God or to give a testimony. But it's just to make a statement to a certain brother that you thought I was going down. <laughs> but unfortunately for you, I'm not going down. And the person receiving the testimony, instead of seeing that if my father can do it for this brother, he can also do it for me in just a matter of time. Most of us are embittered and he was angry. Stop harboring anger in your heart. Stop being angry at the things that we're expecting God to do. And you see, one of the things that we would all get the opportunity to do is to play the father role in life. In the sense that we would all get to a point in life where somebody would offend us and you have the opportunity or be given the power if as you say whether to forgive or not to forgive but many of us are taking the wrong choice because we don't know the extent of the generosity of the father towards us therefore we are finding hard to express it and you know jesus gave a story that there was a servant who was owing a king money and he went to the king and was like king please forgive me i can't pay you and the interesting thing was that the king didn't just forgive him his death, but he canceled the debt. He didn't say, oh, go and take extra five years and bring back my money. But the king canceled his debt. And interestingly, immediately he came out, he saw his brother, who was owing him far less than that amount. And many of us are withholding forgiveness from some people. 
because we are angry. This evening, we want to help us through the agency of the Word of God to renew our mind. We really want to renew our mind that this is not a response. The Bible says that I will be merciful to those who are merciful. Learn to be merciful because there will be a point in your life where people will offend you and you have the power to withhold mercy. Stop being angry at life. Stop being angry at the relative who is not responding to your calls. Stop being angry at the father who you think is not treating you well. Stop being angry at God because you think you deserve something. Stop being angry. Stop polluting the gift of life. Life is a rare commodity, trust me. And it would be very unwise of us to decide to spend our life living in anger. We want to spend some time in prayer. We want to tell God, Father, help us to be merciful. Because it's only when I'm merciful that I can obtain mercy from you. Father, take away every judgmental spirit in us. Take away every heart that is not of you. Father, give us a heart of mercy in the name of Jesus. Give us a heart of the Father. A heart that will respond in love. What is your response? Are you always looking for the downfall of your brother? Are you always looking for the time where you can say, didn't I not say? Always waiting to point a finger. We want to pray to God, our Father, give us a heart of mercy in the name of our Lord Jesus. And as Bene was speaking, she made a statement. And I want to paraphrase in this way. She says that the love language of God is obedience. We want to pray to God, our Father, He will grant us the grace to obey. He will grant us the grace to obey out of love in the name of our Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that we will obey you not out of a guilt, not because we want something from you, but out of love in the name of Jesus. We also finally want to thank God for choosing to love us. Hey! Father, we thank you for liking us. We thank you for preferring us. I don't know if many of us have experienced these things when we were in the primary school in Jesus, or even now, when we hear our crush knows our name or likes us. Hey, there's a particular feeling we have. There's a particular hormone that is released. And most of us, we don't appreciate what it means for God to choose you. If you have ever been bounced before, if you have ever been denied by a lady or a guy, you know how hurtful and how it crushes your ego. But God did not bounce you. God is choosing you. God is accepting you. Even though you are angry at other people, even though you are angry that God is blessing other people, He is still not angry at you. God is accepting you. God is choosing you. God has decided to love you. God has decided to like you. God has decided to prefer you. Many of us have never been chosen before in life. Even in primary school, we were never chosen to clean the blackboard. We were never chosen to empty the dustbin. In fact, we are never considered in anything, even in the menial jobs. But God is choosing us. God is preferring us. God is liking us. And we want to thank God that He has chosen to love us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. May we never forget to be merciful to each and every person because you have been merciful to us. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you so much. Amen. We really, really appreciate it. And God being so good, Renew Your Mind podcast is on other podcasts. We are on Spotify now. We are on iTunes. We are on CastBox. We are on Podbean. I think almost every podcast, you can just search Renew Your Mind podcast and you find it there. We want to encourage you to invite other friends. We want to encourage you to subscribe. We want to encourage you to keep on listening. Every Friday, 9 p.m., a new episode is released by the grace of God. And we want to appreciate you for being with us. And God willing, next week, we'll be looking at our last episode 
on this series. And we'll be looking at God, our Father. We want to summarize everything we have learned about this man in our next episode. Remember to give God your best and make sure you don't owe anybody money. Make sure you don't owe anybody a pair of trousers. But make sure that the only thing you are owing someone is love. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. So long for you, this heart beats for you.